Bench with Ditch, a special edition Bulldog Valley. A recap of last week's Highland game, Valley Conference recap, and a look ahead to this weekend's game. Hello, welcome to another edition of Bulldog Valley. I'm your host, Denny Rittenhouse, along with me, Rodney Knackstedt, our broadcast partner. As we recap the Highland victory over the Triad Knights in Week 6 and take a look at their upcoming game, actually in Week 7, and their upcoming game in Week 8 against the Jerseyville Panthers. And Rodney, um, what a wave this Highland team is riding right now, both um, offensively and defensively. Uh, what is it, six, six in a row? Yeah, six, uh, five in a five row. In a five row. in a row. Six wins all together. Yes, five in a row. And, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, we had talked after the first two games not knowing what we were going to get. And, uh, well, I think we know what we're going to get. And that defense, they've been there every week. And uh, where we were worried against Triad was maybe getting burnt deep and stuff, and it didn't happen. They did a great job. Yeah, they did. They completely uh, took away the the outside receiver threat. Uh, I don't think their their top guy had a catch until late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter, or something yeah, like that. somewhere around there. I'm wanting to say early fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jackson Bernal. Uh, no, that's the Taylorville guy. I didn't write down the, the uh, triad guy. That's I didn't okay. bring the thing in. I uh, it started with a C, I thought. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I didn't bring that in with me. I should have, but. <laughs> That's okay. We're here to talk about Highland, and yes. uh, once again, um, uh, let's start with the offense. Uh, they came out uh, and just methodically uh, went up and down the field on their first three possessions. Blake Jelly just uh, continues his remarkable play as a sophomore, uh, going uh, 11 for 18 for 150. Again, not a whole lot of throwing, but very efficient when he did. Three touchdowns again this week for Blake. Yeah, and, and uh, the way they mixed their run and pass, and, and you've mentioned it on air. Uh, when they do that play fake, when the run's going as well as it is, oh, our, some of our receivers have been wide open, and others, he's just made really, really great throws because the coverage was there. Yeah, and they, my, my favorite is when uh, Dylan Beetle goes in motion from his right, cuts in front of Jelly, who fakes the handoff, then fakes a the handoff to Fry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, what's the defense to do? And when you do that, and Beetle continues just sprinting towards the sideline, then cuts it up the, uh, up the sideline. More times than not, he's forgotten and uh, left wide open, and they hit him in stride going down that sideline. It's been a thing of beauty. It has, and... Uh got to mention that the only reason they can do that, because that takes time, is that front line is giving Jelly the time he needs. And and I thought the offensive line played outstanding against Triad. Both sides of the line, actually, they controlled that line of scrimmage from the outset. and uh, the, The backs were having to maybe make one guy miss. Um, uh, in the backfield, and, and that's intentional, um, right? It's going to be a, a weak side lineman or something that they have to make miss, and then that line is holding their blocks. And once they make that first guy miss, so those rushers, uh, be it Fry or Rakers or, or Dylan Beetle, they've got room to run and operate um, immediately. And so, so that's been a, a thing of beauty as well. And so Highland comes out and scores uh, three quick touchdowns in, in the first quarter and uh, sets the tone for the game. 
um, Jelly, like I said, 11 for 18, 150. On the season, listen to these numbers, 78 for 118. That's about a 68% clip, which is a goal Coach Warnicke said he sets for his quarterbacks. It's like he, he wants that 67, 68% completion. Uh, 13 touchdowns now against those three interceptions, and he hasn't thrown one since the Muhammad game. Right. Yeah, he has been on fire, made good decisions. And uh, honestly, he's been making good decisions all year. And, and when you can hand the ball off to uh, Beetle, uh, Raker, uh, Fry, Fry, uh, yeah, and even Lewis when he's come in has run well. And so it's just amazing to watch this offense. Yeah, it is, and and their their tallies are starting to add up on the on the season. Uh, Fry was eighteen for one hundred and twelve the other day, with uh, two touchdowns rushing. He also threw in three receptions for thirty four yards and a touchdown. But on the season, he's up to four hundred fifty nine yards rushing. Uh, not eye popping, but when you consider uh, Jelly's at three eighty three, Beatles at two fourteen, Rakers is at three hundred two, that becomes a little more eye popping when you're yes. talking uh, fifteen hundred yards rushing and uh, on the season, and it's a uh, uh, mixed up amongst uh, the gang of four or five, and and you could actually throw uh, Nick Judge out the carry here and there, and uh, Phoenix Lewis and. Uh, uh, Jack Nimmo, we haven't heard from. I don't know if he's been uh, banged up the last couple of weeks, but uh, we haven't seen him. But early on, he was uh, making some noise. And, and so um, it, it becomes, and we're seeing the confusion it, it presents a defense. As uh, Triad had some difficulty figuring out who had the ball Friday night. Uh, they even fooled you and I a couple times on who kept the ball and who didn't. Yeah, that's, <laughs> not, that's not so hard to do for us, but, but when, yeah. you see the, when you see the defense uh, getting a, sharing that confusion, that becomes a good thing for, for Highland. Uh, receiving the other night, uh, Dylan Beadle again uh, doing his dancing, four receptions for 67 yards and two touchdowns. And um, uh, he, he plays his heart out. Now, he, he we're talking off the air here just a moment ago. Uh, he took a massive hit uh, in the second half. He was a, it was a run carry up the middle. And a guy hits him low and then holds him up, and the guy comes in and, and, and just uh, drills him. Well, what made that bad, the guy that got him low caught him from behind, so he's getting ready to fall forward and then gets nailed and driven backwards with everything being held. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and he, he laid on the ground for a little while, but he eventually popped up and eventually convinced the coaches he was fine to come back in, but uh, uh, he, he, he was feeling it by the end of the game still, and so we'll see how he, he responds this week against uh, Jerseyville. Yeah, I saw him after the game uh, leaving the field uh, and yes, he was uh, he was hurting a lot, and so I'm hoping everything is uh, healing up quickly for him. Now another uh, key, the, and really a big key into this game was the uh, the play of the defense and uh, four turnovers uh, in all. Now one came on special teams, but but uh, still the the defense was just um, took everything Triad wanted to run away from them. They did. Uh, you know, we had interceptions, fumble recoveries. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, the one that uh, Raker recovered the fumble on, I believe that was the kickoff of the special team you're talking about. And I can't remember who forced that fumble, though. But, um, you know, someone forced it, Raker covered yeah, the ball I, up. And 
I know you and I at the time, I, I think you, you mentioned the name then, but um, I can't remember. But anyway, uh, yeah. our special teams uh, have been doing great. They, they have. Their lanes and, they factor in the kicking and uh, uh, the extra points have been uh, automatic almost. And uh, we had another field goal field the goal. other night. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, yeah, it's just all around play. Still got to clean up the penalties a little bit. But um, uh, like we said in the broadcast, you're kind of getting used to it. That uh, hey, these guys don't get phased by it. Why should we? But uh, I'm sure the coaching staff feels a little different. About that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you'd have told me we'd have had 100 yards in penalties against uh, Triad, I would have thought we either lost or it was a really tight game. So to beat them 36 to seven with those, it's like you said, they overcome them. They don't let it bother them. And uh, I know we made mention it's kind of like the Raiders of the, uh, the 70s and 80s. I mean, they just ton of penalties, but they won their ball games. You know, so so the um, uh, defense does does great the other night. Now last week we didn't give out a player of the game, uh, probably just because of the overall team victory it was against CM. Nobody really stood out. Everybody did their job as expected. Uh, so so we didn't. But uh, this week we're going to go a little different route. I I thought the play of the line was was exemplary on both sides of the ball and and um, uh, among that I thought Chase Paquette just just kind of stood out especially defensively he was a beast on, on defense uh, a couple tackles for loss uh, and, and just disruptive all night long that's a good term because he was he he spent most of his defensive game in their backfield um, yes he he was he was a beast is a good way to put it and, and so we're going to give our player of the game to, to the linemen. We're both a couple old linemen, so we had to slip one of those in uh, this year. But uh, Chase, I was texting with Jimmy after the game, and uh, he agreed. He thought he had a, a monster game. Um, and, and so uh, there are others we can point out on the line, and uh, we continue to do that on the broadcast. But we thought Chase kind of stood out, and so we'll give him our, our player of the game for week seven. Now, uh, week eight, we've got a, a team coming into town, Rodney, interesting team in Jerseyville. Uh, we talked about it on our broadcast Friday night, how uh, the rest of the conference, aside from Highland and Triad, uh, and Triad still is uh, uh, for, with, with the loss to Highland, but playing uh, for their playoff life now. Uh, the rest of the conference came in the last week at two and four, and so uh, the victors in those games uh, were going to have to, to – uh, Went out, basically. Went, went out, and Jerseyville took care of that uh, with a, a rather impressive 33-14 uh, victory over the Mascuda Indians. Um, and so Jerseyville comes into Highland uh, somewhat desperate uh, and playing at a 3-4 and four record. Uh, they need two wins to, to get there, and uh, this is a big hurdle for Jerseyville. But uh, they've played most of their competition pretty tough. And uh, when you look at the triad game a week ago, uh, they only lose to them 28-21. So, so we'll see what, what kind of um, a Georgieville team shows up here Friday night. But I, I expect uh, them to come out uh, uh, quite competitive. Oh, I do too. And, uh, you know, we saw it the year that Highland was in that situation. And uh, you start coming up with some uh, – innovative plays let's put it that way and uh, so you don't know what they're going to throw at us and uh, I do like our chances uh, just because of how we've controlled the line of scrimmage and how our defense has just been so steady all year 
you know, Jerseyville comes in with a, a, a rusher Leiden tally, uh, 851 yards so far this season. So uh, he's going to go over the 1,000 yard mark for the year. So I, I imagine that's going to be one of the key focuses for, for Highland. Uh, will be handling tally at the line of scrimmage, and uh, uh, nobody else really carries the ball much. Easton Hafner, their quarterback, 56 carries for 116 yards, so, so you don't expect him to be a threat with the ball. Uh, throwing the ball, uh, Hafner is, um, let's see what I got him at, uh, 68 for, for uh, a, a few hundred yards, seven touchdowns and six interceptions, so uh, not a real uh, uh, deep uh, uh, threat uh, throwing the ball, but um, uh, Tally running the ball could present some problems. Highland hasn't faced a whole lot of good uh, running backs this year, and so, so this is one of the better ones that they'll, they'll suit up against. Other games in the Valley Conference, Triad is at CM. Triad needs that one more victory, and uh, they should get that this week uh, against a very weak uh, CM team. And then Waterloo against Mascuda. I think Waterloo uh, had the victory last week against CM, so they're uh, still hanging in there um, at, at three and four and could get uh, um, they could get that win against Mascuda. That not, that appears to be a pretty even matchup uh, at this point in the season. Um, in years past, you would think Mascuda, but uh, not quite the same Mascuda team this year. Yeah, uh, you know, we wondered what they were going to have. Uh, it seemed like a lot of the teams, the majority of the teams in the MVC, lost a lot of seniors last year. Uh, Mascuda has not been able to overcome that the way Highland has and Triad. Uh, triad also with a new coach so yeah and uh, uh just kind of what i'm glad you mentioned that calvin Pottis, of course a highland grad and uh, started his coaching career under jimmy uh saw, saw an interview with him after the game the other night and he and he was a uh, you know he just acknowledged we got outplayed um and and they took things away from us that we're used to doing and and so uh uh, that tells me that Highland scouted very well and uh, uh, prepped very well for Triad because they, um, we expected more offense out of Triad. We, we and did, so. and and Highland had to really do their homework because you mentioned that this isn't the typical Triad offense. This offense throws as well as run, and uh, it used to be just basically run, run, run. Right. You you just didn't. You, know, you could go eight in a box and not worry about it. Yes. And so, so Highland did their homework, and uh, obviously if they took those plays away, uh, I don't think we would see Triad in the playoffs, but you know they're going to work on what Highland did against them to prevent other teams from doing it. You know, last week I would have agreed with you, but man, that, that uh, playoff outlook projection out at IHSA has Highland in 5A now. Oh, and so so it's uh, fluctuating from week to week where they're at. Highland's either the largest 4A school, okay, or they're the smallest 5A school, depending on where this enrollment cutoff is going to end up at. And so this ah. this week their projection had them in 5A. So we could meet Triad. So, so we could meet a Triad or or Marion or or um, some of those others that we're used to in, in uh, uh, years past and seeing in that early round. So. Well, I mean, it's a little in flux now as to where we're going to go. I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference as far as 
Um, you look at the the uh, challenges in either bracket. I think either 4A or 5A is going through that Springfield area. So you got Sacred Heart Griffin having a monster year in 5A, and you got Rochester with their usual monster year in 4A. And so I think that uh, the road goes through uh, Springfield <laughs> for the southern half of the bracket, regardless of which way you go. And so, As it usually does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so if you look at 4A and project a little bit, I mean, Bree Central's out there. Uh, we played them in week one. They're, they're a much different team now at this point in the season, although they did suffer the setback this week against Roxana as the shells continue to roll. Uh, they, they handle Central 52-28. And, um, and that's kind of a surprise to us. We thought that would be a closer game no matter who won. Yeah, uh, and, and Roxana. Roxanna's getting some uh, notice, too, with this uh, uh, outstanding season they're having. I, I saw in the uh, the prep zone on, uh, on Channel 2 the other night, they had a heavy focus on that game and uh, talked uh, highly about Roxanna and their rebound uh, from a, a few woeful years here in the in the last uh, uh, couple decades. It's been a while since we've seen them. Uh, we're used to it uh, as the old-timers because Roxanna was a perennial playoff team yes. back in the uh, uh, our playing days, and for a good uh, 15 years after that, um, uh, of course, the uh, Hall of Fame coach Charlie Rach out there at, uh, at Roxanne all those years, and uh, they're competitive, and, and to see them rebound like they have this year, it, it, I don't follow Roxanne that closely, so so it's, uh, it seems to be out of nowhere uh, that this team came and sprung on everybody, but uh, uh, they're second or third year in the Cahokia Conference. They're, they're making some noise there and making them, their presence known. Edwardsville hosts East St. Louis this week coming up, and uh, that's always a fun game over in Edwardsville. Well, they uh, just had a big comeback win over Belleville East. It so. was, 48-45 uh, uh, or something like that. Yes. And, uh, just a... Uh, and, and it took a second half rally for them to do that. That's the second year in a row. Those two went down to the wire, and uh, Edwardsville has gotten better at East each time. But uh, Belleville East having a fine year. They're sitting at five and two over there in the Southwest Conference, and they're only two losses uh, to Edwardsville and East St. Louis. And so, uh, uh, epic battle though, Edwardsville and East St. Louis. I think East St. Louis comes out victorious in that one. Um, they're they're sitting at five and two. Those two losses, you can see those teams ranked in USA Today. They are our max preps. Take your pick. Uh, <laughs> but both teams are, are highly ranked, and uh, East St. Louis shies away from nobody. Uh, they still it, a team can ask the IHSA to um, put them in a class higher than what they are. Uh, enrollment wise, and East St. Louis has been doing that for quite a few years. Uh, they would be a 5A school uh, and have been a 5A enrollment size school for, for quite a few years now. But they petition every year to play up uh, in 6A or 7A some years, depending on what they're projecting that they think they'll be like. Uh, and they did it again this year. They'll, they'll be in 6A this year, and so uh, we won't see them in the, in the postseason. Uh, when they finally do decide to back off that, that petitioning to play higher, um, that, way, that, that road will go not through Springfield. It would go through East St. Louis in uh, uh, those classes. And they, they're just so good every year. That, uh, well, Daryl Sunkett has it. Uh, he took over that program from Bob Shannon uh, years ago in the, in the mid-'90s, and people thought, well, that's the end of the East St. Louis dynasty. 
uh, when when Coach Shannon um, left there, and, and people thought, man, then that'll never be sustained. But uh, Sunkett, he, he moved over under suspicious circumstances back. I don't know if you were in tune with that. He was over at Riverview Gardens in St. Louis, and he brought a pretty good running back with him across the river. And so people, uh, the eyebrows were raised, and yeah, you shouldn't be able to do that. But uh, I think he's proven over the years since then that, that um, uh, he, can, he can coach the talent that is present there in East St. Louis. And, and so I'm sure they still get their share of people moving into the neighborhood. But, but uh, uh, hats off to the Flyers, one year in, year out, uh, just spectacular. And uh, we're all excited about seeing uh, Sam Laporta in the NFL. This is That's whole home for East St. Louis. They've been uh, channeling talent up into the D1 ranks uh, for years. And uh, uh, we see them trickle into the NFL um, every, every few years. And so epic battle over in Edwardsville if um, um, you're – um, thinking Highland's got this game in hand against Jerseyville and want to take that one in, I, I wouldn't blame you. That, that's always a fun game over there when those two get together. Uh, elsewhere locally, Central will take on Columbia. The Cougars are trying to rebound from that loss uh, to Roxana. Columbia uh, on the downside this year, sitting at 1-6, and six, so Central should be able to uh, come away with a, a victory. But that's, that's, all, that's uh, turned into a pretty good rivalry over the years in um, those two have been the, the top of that Cahokia conference for uh, the past 10, 15 years, and, and it usually comes down to the winner of that game. It won't be the case this year, but um, so, so the Cougars can take care of business. Uh, they have Heron to end the season out, uh, and so they potentially could go in the postseason at 7-2. and two. Modern Day hosts Highland's opponent next week as they take on Decatur St. Teresa. Who, who got the uh, slow start and then uh, um, put together a few wins, and, and now uh, they'll take on the Modern Day Knights, who uh, lost this past weekend to the Altoff Crusaders in uh, uh, 42-22, I think was that final. And so the Knights suffered their second loss of the year. They also uh, were defeated by Central early in the year. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Modern Day does against uh, Decatur St. Teresa and give us a, kind of a little bit of a flavor for what to expect next week. Yeah. Uh, I, I, personally, I, I see no reason that, that Highland doesn't win out. And uh, as you mentioned uh, already a couple weeks back, I think uh, bodes well for them getting a a home game to start the playoffs off. Yeah, yeah I'll be shocked. We, we are playing at home on, on week 10. And uh, those um, playoff announcements come out next week, next Saturday after after the uh, Decatur-St. Teresa game on Friday night. Uh, we'll find out our, our bracket and our opponent. And uh, um, so, so we'll have... Uh, in two weeks on this uh, episode, we'll, we'll break down the... the postseason brackets and uh, kind of give you our thoughts on that. But you know, they'll announce it in the IHSA next Saturday night. Uh, always look forward to that. That's always a, a, a big thing for me. I, I, I get a kick out of seeing I watch it from 1A up to 8A to, to, to see who's going where. And, and it doesn't matter. It's just kind of like with college or anything else. It doesn't matter how they pick it. Somebody's not happy. <laughs> yeah, I, I've always been a fan of how the Illinois handles it when I compare it to uh, surrounding states, and, and so I, I still get a kick out of the uh, IHSA postseason. 
so so that's a wrap. We got Jerseyville coming in uh, Friday night, senior night. Uh, we went over who the seniors were on a broadcast the other night, and of course we'll highlight them again this week on our broadcast. And uh, Jerseyville comes in. We expect them to be uh, uh, competitive and uh, uh, put up a pretty good fight uh, with Highland. So. Uh, it'll be uh, kind of like we've been talking the last couple of weeks, Rodney. Right? Control that line of scrimmage out the gate, and uh, Highland can set the tone. Yeah, I, it again. I think it comes down to our uh, uh, defense. We know what the offense is going to score. We know these other teams all are, have had the ability to score, but our defense has shut them down. You know, Triad averaging thirty-five points a game. They get seven against our defense. Yeah, it, it's really been fun um, uh, watching them and, and different players stepping up each week. Uh, mm -hmm. We saw Greenwald get an interception the other night. Now he's been he's been pretty consistent. Probably the most consistent uh, player on the defensive side of the ball has been Ethan Greenwald, and uh, I was glad to see him hold on to that that ball. He had another one hit him right in the gut earlier this season, and. He just wasn't ready for that yeah, one. He yeah. turned around, the ball was there, and at this time when he turned around, he was ready. Yeah, he was ready. He got it, and uh, <laughs> it, was, it was good. Um, so, so uh, yeah, you're right. That defense has been outstanding, and uh, it has gotten the job done. Now, uh, quick turn to the, the NFL and our favorite subject. Uh, uh, Mr. Laporta had a nice day on Sunday. Uh, came out of the gate really strong, and... and uh, uh, caught the attention of uh, many a folk in uh, watching uh, NFL and the studios and stuff. Uh, it was fun to see. I got a kick out of the halftime show of uh, Sunday's game and Rob Gronkowski just going gaga over Sam Laporta. <laughs> that, that, that was a, a treat for me. I mean, he, he comes in and it, I don't know if you saw it, Rodney, but uh, they're breaking down the game a little bit. Strahan's talking about the Lions defense and saying, the story of this game is the Lions D and blah, 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 blah. And, and finally, uh, Gronk jumps in and says, the story of this game is Sam Laporta and his TDs. <laughs> TDs, TDs. And Terry Bradshaw says, what'd you say? <laughs> touchdowns, Terry, touchdowns. The big guys and all, he's headed for all pro status, not just rookie of the year. He's heading to all pro status. The stuff he's doing is remarkable, blah, blah, blah. And he just went on about him. I was like, yeah. Yeah, right. see, I, we don't. Uh, we don't get any sports channels, and we couldn't. Neither one of us, my wife or I, couldn't pick the game up. So I was just following the stats, and I told her, I said, "Well, Sam's got two catches and two touchdowns." And she goes, two catches, both touchdowns?" And I said, "Yep, one's a four-yarder, and one was like a thirty-five-yarder or something yeah. like that." Yeah. And uh, good old-fashioned flea flicker. I went back yeah. then uh, after the game was done. I went to YouTube because you can find anything on there you want, and sure enough, there were videos of that. And uh, wide yeah. open. Yeah, yeah. His <laughs> second wide open. You might want to start guarding the guy. He's kind of proven he can, he can uh, finish. Well, four catches again. He's never had less than four catches in yeah. a game yet. Yeah, it's been. Uh, been a nice little run to start the season off, and uh, Detroit looking good. Actually, it's not just our gushing on Sam. That's a that's a good looking team. When you think the other day they didn't have St. Brown, their best receiver, not named Laporta, um, on, on the active roster, and Jameer Gibbs, their fine rookie running back, now not just suiting up. He got injured for late Friday uh, in their their Friday walkthrough practice, um, and so. Um, you take two studs like that off your offense, and they still put up 42 points. Uh, my goodness, uh, that's uh, 
That's telling you something. Well, you know, we've, we've talked about what Jelly does, spreading the ball around. When I looked, at the one point, uh, Goff had uh, eight completions to seven different receivers. Yeah. His first eight completions were to seven different receivers. So that's spreading the ball around. Yeah, it really is. And uh, uh, you can see how effective it was, too. Jared Goff's just uh, been Mr. Steady. Um, uh, this season uh, and uh, most of the last half of last season, uh, he, he he really um, been the the spark plug for that offense and uh, uh, pretty steady. Doesn't make mistakes. That's a and that's something we see with with Jelly at this level. Is uh, after week two, uh, he is just taking care of the ball, making the right uh, RPO decisions and. Um, to come out of a, uh, be doing that as a sophomore. Now, Goff has got a, he's a veteran now. I mean, he is. I mean, he, he was great in uh, Los Angeles at first. And then, sure. uh, you know, I'm not sure. I don't know what all happened that they got rid of him. Well, they, uh, they felt they could upgrade with Stafford. Can't argue the result. Stafford True. got a, a Super Bowl win. Goff got him to the Super Bowl. Uh, most people will tell you Aaron Donald got him to the Super Bowl, myself included. <laughs> but um, uh, but, he, uh, but but Goff would make a Super Bowl appearance, and um, um, but they they felt they could do more with Stafford. Can't argue that result. This is one of those trades, Rodney. I think it's a win-win for both teams. Uh, I've read that. I saw that somewhere where they said, you know, this was one, yes, where both teams benefited. So, And, uh, um, of course, in the long term, the, the Lions could come out on top in that. But uh, they got to get that ring in order to, to really say they won that trade uh, because – L.A. did that trade with that thought, and we want to win now. Yes. They won then. Yes. So, so uh, they accomplished their goal in the trade. Uh, Lions is more long-term. Um, so, so but their they, draft picks, uh, they're all doing well. Well, that's it. So this is one of the more remarkable draft classes isn't that I, it? I've seen. If they continue this throughout the year, I mean, they, and that's another one they were missing the other day, Brian Branch on defensive yes. side. Didn't suit up, and uh, he's he's on on track for defensive rookie of the year. The way he started the first four games, uh, I don't know how long he's going to be out. I think he's just going to miss the one game. But uh, but then you talk Jameer Gibbs hasn't even gotten his feet wet really because um, um, Demo Montgomery has been playing so well. Uh, the running back they picked up from Chicago, but you got uh, Sam Laporta and Jack Campbell, the two Iowa guys. Now Campbell's he's in he's in on a, a lot of plays defensively. Uh, now he's he's making a rookie mistake here and there to be expected, but uh, he's plugged that middle up for him very well. So just an outstanding draft class that the Lions have had. You don't see that too often anymore. Uh, not that not when you're talking about four or five rookies. They got exactly. another one in the seventh round they took that is playing too. His name escapes me, but. Uh, to have that many making that big of an impact is a is a pretty remarkable class, and it's starting to get the attention of the pundits on uh, on national TV as to how well they really did, because they had, they actually got um, land blasted a little bit on draft night, right? They're they're like uh, you're taking a running back in the first round. A running back is like the uh, poo-poo position anymore in the NFL. And, uh, Way different than when uh, uh, we were. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and so, so they're like, you're taking a running back and then you take a linebacker um, in the first round? What's wrong with you guys? 
Then you reach for Laporta in the second round. Yeah, uh, other guys ahead of him are projected. Uh, so, so yeah, it's uh, they they've turned a they've turned heads with the the play of those rookies. Well, and and you know, at first we thought you know, if anything, by Sam going to Detroit was good for him to maybe get to start to play right away. Um, it, this has been better than anybody could have anticipated. Uh, the way this has come together, that team, and uh, watching them, uh, they are all for each other. Yeah, yeah. That's what's fun. To yeah, watch. they seem to have that it factor going as far as that chemistry goes, and, and so so we'll see how long that lasts. But I, for one, am looking forward to Thanksgiving like I haven't in, in quite a few years. To, yeah, I have to admit, I haven't looked forward to the Thanksgiving game for uh, ever, and yeah, I'll, I'll be able yeah. to watch Sam for sure that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, dog show. We're not going to be watching you this year. It's going to be the Lions. On TV. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that'll put a wrap on this week's uh, Bulldog Valley. Uh, uh, tune us in as always on uh, from the bench with Dench on your uh, favorite podcasting uh, streaming service, whether it's uh, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music. Tune in radio, um, any of the other uh, niche players in podcasting, we're out there as well. So look us up this episode, back episodes, my uh, regular uh, From the Bench the, with Dench episodes, which, oh yeah, thank you, uh, Denny. I, I did want to mention the um, uh, terrific feedback we got for the uh, Greg Holthouse Foundation podcast uh, that I, I did a week or so ago, and then we talked about it at length in uh, halftime the other night. And so uh, don't forget that's this Saturday up at the KC uh, Pavilion. Uh, you can attend a great Hold House fundraiser and uh, just a great cause. And uh, so make sure you pop on over there Saturday afternoon. So for Rodney Knackstead, this is Denny Rittenhouse on uh, From the Bench with Dench Bulldog Valley. Tune in again next week. Thank you. Tune in again next week for another edition of Bulldog Valley on From the